On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Online, I talk with Chris Shipferling. Chris helps businesses, specifically e-commerce businesses, sell. Uh, what an amazing conversation. I feel like I got a ton out of this. And uh, yeah, I learned all about uh, how much you can potentially get for your business, uh, sort of the, the scale of where you need to be to actually sell your business. Um, it's incredible. He just did a deal with a company that got an eight times multiplier on their cash flow, uh, uh, specifically a stroller company. Um, you guys are going to just, you, you got to listen to this episode. It's maybe one of my favorite I've ever recorded. Before we start, we've worked with hundreds of businesses over the years, and we found that there's one element that all the successful businesses have in common. All the successful businesses that we've worked with have had a strategy. Having a strategy means having a roadmap. It means knowing where you wanna go and having a plan on how you're gonna get there. We found that there's 10 pivotal elements to an effective strategy, and we've created a one-minute quiz to help you determine whether your next year of marketing will be successful or not. Think about this. If a plane leaving LAX is headed to JFK and is even 1% off at the beginning of the trip, that plane could veer as far as Winnipeg. And no one wants to end up in Winnipeg. Take the quiz today at mindfulmarketing.co slash quiz or click the link in today's show notes to see where your marketing is headed this year. Now, on to today's show. Chris Shipferling from Global Wired Advisors. Welcome to Secrets to Scaling Online. Hey, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Uh, so global, uh, sorry, global wired advisors, uh, tell us a bit about, you know, who you are, what you do. Uh, yeah, yeah. we are a, a lower middle market, uh, investment bank, um, spawned from a, a middle market investment bank called providium group, um, that focuses in on both buy and sell side. Um, and so buy side, meaning that, you know, providium group is a private equity firm actively looking for deals and also sell side. Um, they have a, um, um, a division called Providium Advisors. So that's really where Global Wired Advisors was birthed. And three partners that are part of that firm, I met these guys two years ago, and I became a fourth partner, and we started Global Wired Advisors. Now, Providium Advisors focuses in on more traditional businesses, nothing to do with the audience, your audience at all. Okay. <laughs> Global okay. Wired Advisors is purely digital. So in order to really kind of make that distinction between the two, Providium Advisors being traditional, and then Global Wired Advisors being digital, we separated out the two brands. I was gonna say, so, so like in a nutshell, you help digital companies sell that's, their business. That's exactly where I was just about to go. So <laughs> in a nutshell, uh, that's exactly. I thought I beat you. I thought I beat you to the punchline. Like we this. are, and Global primarily focuses in on sell side. We do have other investment banking products that, uh, that we can help folks with, LDOs, leverage buyouts, manage, management buyouts. We do cap raises, um, but primarily we're focused in on this space, just because of the size of the businesses in digital world, mainly on the sell side. So gotcha. Okay. So tell us, how did you get here? Yeah. Like physically talking to you today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So how do we get to this point? So, you know, I, I've been in business, um, you know, my career has spanned for 17 years. Again, I'm kind of more of a, I'm more of a corporate sales and marketing executive background. So I started just traditionally selling to large uh, big box stores, um, mass retail. I sold to Bed Bath & Beyond, Walmart, Target, et cetera, kind of started in a more executive sales role and then got involved in marketing, but more traditional marketing. Uh, more okay. B2B, more trade marketing. Yeah. And then really, as my career was was growing, the paradigm shift from brick and mortar became brick and click. And now, as you know, it's becoming more and more just click, not yeah. even brick. 
Yeah. And so I really had the um, privilege, to be honest, to go through that paradigm shift where, you know, when I first started a business, I was selling to this little company called Amazon. Um, they had this yeah. little thing called Vendor Central and they were, they were primarily a book company and they decided that they wanted to be a general merchant. And so I was in toy products, uh, toy and baby products. And oh. so I, uh, our brand was actually one of the original baby products brands that, uh, that sold to them back in the day. No so, way. My career really kind of evolved as the paradigm shift was occurring into more and more e-commerce and digital marketing. You know, nowadays it's who can get the first handshake with the consumer. That's really the most important thing. Mm. And so, you know, about four or five years ago, I was um, running a, I was running an effort of a company based in Barcelona um, uh, as their general manager uh, for for North America. And that's where I really started to dig in more on just purely direct to consumer and really understanding, okay, this whole traditional sell to a retailer wholesale, I don't really have a whole lot of skin in the game and conversations directly with the consumer. Okay. That's just, that's just dead. And now I've got to go talk to the consumer directly. So, so my experience in the past, call it five years has really been very heavy in digital marketing and also in uh, Amazon, um, Amazon consulting as well. So, and then, cool. so I met up with these guys two years ago. We started Global Wired Advisors, and now we're a, you know, a partner-based firm of four and, a, and nine support staff. Yeah, the message resonates, and we'll get into that, I know, here. Yeah, yeah. So what, was there like this particular pain point you were trying to solve in the market? Like, was there a gap? Absolutely. So, you know, uh, my, my partner's background, I gave you mine. My three other partners, uh, uh, Joe, Jason, and Chris. Um, and yes, there's two Chris's in the yep. firm, so Remember we just Chris. go by our last names. But uh, they all came from very large institutional investment banking. And, you know, they just did, weren't running coffee for managing directors. They were the managing directors for Citibank, Deutsche Bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, large hedge funds, credit hedge funds, private equity. They worked in the Wall Street world and in investment banking. And so, you know, what they realized from a financial perspective is that if you have a successful company and it's a $10 million company, $8 million company, and you know it's going to trade and you know it's going to get probably a decent multiple, you you can't go to a middle market investment bank. You're too mm. small. And so to go and get that pedigree of someone who has worked on billion, billion dollar deals, hundreds of million dollars of deals, to get that level of service and process, you just won't get it. So your only option is either do it yourself or find a business broker. And so what we realized is, man, there is a huge gap in white space for a firm to give these types of businesses just a better option. That's it. Yeah. So, and that's, that's really, yeah, you nailed it. That's what we identified. And that's really what we're hanging our hat on. Cool. Awesome. Well, I, I want people to get to who are listening to this, uh, lots of e-commerce business owners. So I, I feel like this is just a really relevant conversation for them. Let's, let's walk through what it looks like. Like, so who, who would you work with? Um, yeah, great question. Where do, where do they have to be uh, exactly to, to sell their business? Yeah, so I'll back it up just one step very sure. quickly. Um, you know, we'll talk to anybody who's about 18 to 24 months, but let's put a little color on that. So, sure. you know, when yeah. we're really, when our firm and the type of process that we want to run, when we're ready to take someone to market um, and we believe someone's ready for market, we really want to see that their cash flow plus a comp multiple is probably going to reach somewhere in the $1.5 to $2 million valuation at the least. Okay. So typically from a cash flow perspective, you know, and also there's a lot of nuance here, but that usually means you're, you're running about 500,000 in cash flow. 
And what that really means is take your net margin, add back all your owner related benefits because we're all small business owners here. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're trying to run lots of benefits through our business add all of those back. And if you hit about that 500,000 in cash flow mark, then you're, you're, you've, you're at the starting line for a process like ours. Okay. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. So if you're, if you're, if you're making about 500,000 profit, yeah, including yes, owners right. comp, including owners, all, all of the things, then that's, that's when, right. that's when you start to go and talk to, to somebody like yourself. That's right. And I mean, if you're, if you're pacing towards that 18 to 24 months out, that's the caveat I wanted to throw in. Gotcha. And absolutely call us, you know, we're, we're big fans of, we're big fans of being helpful, informative. We want to educate the market. We want, we want business owners to be well equipped when it comes time, when they hit that 500 million, 2 million in cash flow. you know, we want them to be prepared much further in advance versus just a, okay, I'm ready to sell. I woke up one day here. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a lot of nuance to it, as you know. Um, and you know, the conversation you and I uh, had before this podcast, right? I mean, there's a lot of detail that goes into, you know, building a company to sell. So. Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, let's, let's talk about it. So, so obviously, you know, cash flow is one thing. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, what does a company look like in the e-commerce space that's ready to sell? A couple things. One, you know, ask yourself some really hard intrinsic questions. Have I, have I hit my ceiling? Am I scalable? The answer is no. Then, you know, your chances of selling and being successful in a transaction uh, start to dip significantly. Um, you know, you could probably get a trade done, but it's not going to be at a multiple or a number. I think anybody, anybody would be pleased with. So is your business scalable? Um, you know, so, what so are, if your business is not scalable, then obviously people aren't going to want to purchase it because they want to be able to scale it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like selling somebody a Toyota Camry with 200,000 miles on it. Do you yeah. want to buy that? You might, you might, and you might buy it for a hundred bucks. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, hey, yeah, totally. cool. it's still runnable, but you know, it's only got so much runway now, you know, again, though, it might be something that is a cash flowing consistent business. It's just because it's not scalable, you know, the cash flow gets discounted severely. Therefore, I'm not going to pay such a large multiple for the business. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So ask yourself some hard questions. Ask yourself some questions around the structure of your business. Where can I cut my fat? Right. Where can I start really, you know, taking a hard look at your PL? First off, get a PL if you don't have one. <laughs> that's, that's really important. Just for, for everyone out there, that's that's your profit and loss statement. That's right. Get a profit and loss statement. Get a balance sheet. You know, understand, understand from a snapshot perspective where, where your business financially stands at any given moment. Sorry, Chris, I was going to say for, you know, for people who've listened to this podcast for a while, I had Mike Michalowicz on from uh, Profit First. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, you know about Mike, but uh, incredible guy. I, I harp on Profit First uh, on this podcast all the time. Good. Uh, you need to be profitable in every Period. single transaction that you do. Period. Um, uh, otherwise, like you're not gonna be able to talk to somebody like Chris, right? So anyway. Well, no, and I mean, we talked, I mean, I'll give, you, I'll give you a great example in your audience too. I mean, we had somebody come to us with a $100 million revenue business. When we dove in, they had a million, no, $800,000 in profit and 7 million in inventory. <laughs> and they were like really arrogant about their business. And I mean, talk about having to deflate that bubble. Oh, you know, it's, I and I had, the, I had this conversation with, with Mike Michalowicz. He was yeah. like, it's, we've gotten into this mode of, of going to meetings and talking about the amount of employees we have, talking about what our top line revenue is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that hundred million dollars a year Who cares? does not matter. 
the only thing that matters in that equation is what your profit is, right? Like that, that's it. And I mean, also too, I mean, to that point and, and what you're harping on and, 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 a, and a capital buyer is going to look at that business. And the other question is going to be, how hard is it for me to make money? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if you're telling somebody, yeah, man, it's a lot of work just to, I mean, barely eke out anything. Sorry. You are very unattractive. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 so it's really asking the hard questions. Where can I cut the fat? Um, you know, get your books in order. That's, you know, having a clean, clean book business, you know, hire a bookkeeper, please. It's so helpful early on because it just really gives you an understanding of what your numbers are. Yeah. Um, if you're in seven figures and you don't have a bookkeeper, you just good just, on you. That's <laughs> I don't not, know how you've done it. <laughs> I, me either. But you know what? <laughs> we've seen it. We've seen it all. And so uh, we've actually seen almost an eight figure business that had some of the messiest financials you'll, you'll ever see. So yeah, just get your books in order, get them clean. Is it scalable? Other thing is too, it's like starting to get into some granularity, but start looking at your SKUs. If you're an e-commerce business, if you're running a consumer discretionary uh, business, you know, if you're, you take a look at each single SKU and how much, how much margin are they contributing to the overall, uh, you know, your overall uh, margin, right? Uh, as you blend everything yeah. together and cut the fat, cut the fat, do some SKU rationalization. Just because yeah. you may love, you mentioned you're in a clothing business, just because you may love one t-shirt and it's dragging other things down, cut it, have no emotional ties to it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> just, get, just get rid of it. So Anyways, we, uh, I, I had a podcast interview, uh, just recently, um, with a skincare company, mm. uh, and they're in the process right now of selling. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and so we were talking about paid ads and they've just decided to completely cut their paid ads budget this year, just because they need to show that bottom, yeah. that, that bottom line, uh, number, right. Um, hard for growth. Right. But, but yeah, it but totally see, makes sense. Yeah, it does and it doesn't. Here's where I'll actually take a left turn with you. Oh, sure, please. Yeah, this is where I would tell. This is where I would tell the client. I think you're you're doing a, 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 a you know bad. You're bad. A bad service to your business. And you know I don't know who their intermediary is, but as their intermediary, I would tell them, please don't do that. And here's why: because the last thing that a acquirer wants to see is that you're only cutting off ads to bring more profit. The reality is, day one, I'm a new buyer. How am I going to grow this thing? Totally. So keep, keep it, keep the engine running, man. Please don't turn it off just to make me happy. Yeah. Super, super smart. That's uh, yeah. That's something that, uh, that maybe well, that's, that's, a, that's then, a shout but... out to your, uh, to your digital marketing agency too, by the way. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Chris. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, we do run a digital marketing agency. We, we do know what we're talking about here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so, you know, we've gotten to the point where, uh, you know, we have around 500 K in, uh, in cash flow. Yeah. Uh, we've got, um, uh, you know, a business that, that doesn't necessarily have a, a ceiling that's anywhere close yet. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about my, my wife and I's clothing company, Little and yeah. Lively. Um, you know, we, we do fairly well. Um, and, uh, and I, I think that we would kind of be in the range um, of a client that you would work with. Okay. But I think one of the big issues that, that I would see is that my wife is the face of the company. Yeah, we have, um, we've had clients like that before. And yeah, so uh, what, what do you do with that? Because I, I assume that there's a lot of e-commerce companies that aren't just, you know, there's a lot of drop shipping companies and stuff out there that I don't think are going to necessarily right. last the test of time. But this is a brand, right? Oh, yeah, which is fantastic, by the way. So here, here's, and we're, gonna, we're, we're, about to get our, we're about to get our hands dirty, so bear with sure, me. Sure, sure, please. My question would be define face of the business. That's where I would start. So define for me what that actually means. 
And then, so I actually will ask you that. <laughs> what does that actually mean that your wife is the face of the business? Well, I mean, essentially one, one of the, you know, little digital marketing trick that, that we love to use with every single brand that we work with is we try and humanize them. Yeah. Um, because people buy from humans, right? Uh, that's mm -hmm. why I think that, you know, the dropshipping brands are, are essentially done, um, you know, as of, you know, within the next 10 years. Um, and so, so for us, we've humanized our business so much that, you know, my wife is, is a mom, um, that's selling to moms cause we're a baby clothing company for the most part. Nice. Um, and, uh, we're and very so, active in baby by the way, but that's a side note. <laughs> what, what's, oh, oh, you, yeah. Awesome. So, so what we do is, um, when somebody visits the site for the first time, they're going to actually see our whole brand story Yeah. on Great. YouTube. They're going to be retargeted on YouTube with our brand story. So three different videos about uh, our brand. Yeah. Uh, and then as well as on Facebook and Instagram. And even actually, I think that we're doing it on Snapchat right now too, okay. where we're just indoctrinating people with the brand. Which is fantastic. Um, yeah. But that brand right now is the face of that brand is my wife. Right. Right. So how does somebody, you know, cause we're, we're not looking to sell anytime soon uh, or, or if ever, um, well, I'm sure we will at one point. <laughs> <laughs> never say but, never say never, man. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, what do you do with businesses like that? That their their founder is uh is really the the face of the company. Well, um, first off, there have been a lot of companies that have grown uh and matured where there was a person who was the face, and then you're able to roll away from them being the face just kind of slowly over time. Um or something happened where they were highly controversial and they were forced to not be the face anymore, like Papa John's, right? Totally. <laughs> so, I was just thinking Chip Chip Wilson, uh, yeah, Lululemon. That's right. That's that's exactly right. So awesome guy. If you're Chip, if you're listening to this, he's he's not far from here. I want to have you on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great podcast. So yes, please get on. This. <laughs> so uh, I would say that, you know, and we have had, we actually have one active client right now. Um, to be very honest, it sounds exactly like you and your wife. Almost okay. like And they're about, um, I mean, you know, you gave me a little bit of a range there, but I'd say they're about double, maybe a little bit more and still growing. Yeah. Um, and that was part of our conversations with them before we decided to engage and start prepping them for market, which is one, you know, how much involvement would you and your, well, mainly your wife, how much involvement would she want to be in for the new company? You know, totally. could there yeah. be... Could there be a transition period? And, you know, the other thing is brand, brand faces, the way that you've humanized the brand could actually still live on because it's kind of memorialized. Um, now she's producing lots of new content, I assume, where you could just kind of slowly kind of keep her as the face per se and the yep. founder as the face and just slowly roll away from her being all of the content and in it into something new. I mean, we just sold a baby products company um this past year uh which was a phenomenal exit and the um one owner stayed on there's two owners but the owner that didn't stay on was was the face of the business mm, and what they did is they they you know private equity bought the company and basically what happened was that private equity firm um went through a huge rebrand and it was a six-figure rebrand wow and it totally changed the face of the company and it effectively almost became like a new company because here's the thing, people are buying your, your product and I'm, I'm honing it on you, but people are buying your product because of the way that you've been able to humanize the brand, maybe because of your wife, it's helping with conversion. But at the end of the day, if your product was crap, 
no one would, wouldn't matter. Would it. not matter. That's right. Yeah. So that's the consistent piece in all of this. This is the product, right? And the brand that you've built to, to today. But yes, absolutely, you can roll away. Where it becomes difficult is, and this is just not a sellable business, but you know, if your wife was a consultant <laughs> and she really was the actual company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was no processes in place. and No, and that's, that's not sellable. It's just, I mean, unless you're, you know, and you and I talked, you know, when you're becoming an agency, you know, in a large, a large agency, you're pulling yourself away, then you have a sellable business. But, you know, particular to your clothing brand, I would say that's, that's actually not hard to sell. And I think it would actually be quite attractive. I'm really not trying to sell you, I promise, but it would be very attractive <laughs> in the marketplace. Hey, sorry about the interruption. We'll get back to the show shortly. I wanted to ask you again, are you confident in your company's marketing strategy for the upcoming year? If you don't want to leave it up to chance, take the one minute quiz at mindfulmarketing.co slash quiz. Now back to today's episode. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, let's, let's go with that $500,000 example uh, in cash flow, just because that's a really easy one to to wrap our heads around, I think. Yeah. Um, so in that space, in the e-com space, um, what is what kind of multiplier can we expect from that? Like this is like kind of like an EBITDA multiplier, correct? Yeah, basically. I mean, it just really depends. So you know, you and your wife are owner operators. So typically, it's based on what's called seller discretionary earnings because you don't really have a corporate entity with many layers and lots of complexities. Yeah. So typically, when you have a corporate entity where you've got functions within the business that's really where you start to turn into measuring off of what's called EBITDA. Or if you have an owner operator involved in that complex organization, then you have what's called an adjusted EBITDA because most of the time in those types of organizations where the founder is still highly involved, they're, they're taking away above market salary. <laughs> and so the adjusted EBITDA really becomes a marketplace salary for someone to run the business. Yeah. So your SDE, seller discretionary earnings, multiplier, there's a lot of nuance that goes into that. So here's my, and I've got some questions. This is probably helpful for you. And it's yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Audience. Love it. What's your revenue concentration for your clothing brand? So where are you mainly selling and what's the percentage of your revenue in the channels that you're selling? Okay. So for us, it's where we're selling is mostly Canada. We're, we're a Canadian company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are 90% uh, direct to consumer. Okay. Um, uh, online. Okay. Uh, and what else do you need to know? Well, if you're so 90%, then the other 10% is what? Uh, it would be like wholesale. Okay, gotcha. So that's, that's good diversity. In fact, that's fantastic. So um, here's a couple other pieces of nuance that I would say. So at 500, because you're mostly D2C, you own all of your data. Yeah. Which is huge so yeah. you know and no amazon no absolutely no amazon that's huge because when you're 90 you know and there's a lot of people out there that may even be listening where there a lot of their revenue concentration is actually amazon maybe i'm i'm misstepping in your with your audience but no 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 we've we had our first conversation about amazon uh recently with that skincare company it was the first time somebody talked about um, yeah. selling on amazon no we're mostly direct to consumer as far as that's great back that I get from our listeners. So that's wonderful. So keep doing that because when you're on Amazon and most of your revenue is there, you're renting space from Jeff Bezos. Yeah. And so it's, it's effectively multiple suppression because there's risk downside. You don't own the data. You're selling on a marketplace at any given time. Mr. Bezos could go to Mars and hit the nuclear button and you're yeah. done. And you're not necessarily, this is murky and this could require a whole other podcast. So I'll say it quickly and we'll move on, but you're not yeah. always building brand on Amazon. You know, with D2C, no, I, yeah, I'm with you. Typically, find people building brands like you and your wife. So, 
At 500,000, I would say, because you're too small for any real capital buyers to care, even though you may have something very strategic, which that's where our firm does shine. We're able to speak the, what I call the Klingon of the private equity world and also the capital buyer world. So we're able, to get, we're able to get people to actually care if, if it's important enough. But at 500,000, I would say you're squarely at about, I would, you know, with mostly D to C, probably a four, four and a half multiple at 500,000 in cash flow. Okay. Now, okay. So that's really good for, for people to know. Is, yes. that, is that a rule or are we just talking clothing as far as a well, four, four and a half multiple? Any, any, well, see, here's the thing about clothing and specifically uh, your LTV, I'm assuming is pretty good. Your repeat purchase rate is probably pretty high, right? Oh, our lifetime customer value is extremely high. Yeah. Yeah. So clothing will, clothing, <laughs> clothing, because the margins, because of what you just said, SaaS, PET, IoT, they, they tend to be a little bit hotter because the margin is just stronger. You know, when you're talking about a business that, um, again, at 500000 in cash flow, if you're talking about another category that's, I don't know, toys that might not have a strong lifetime value per se, then you might go down to a three, eight, four, somewhere around there, or maybe a little bit higher. Um, but just because you're, you're only probably, you're only really selling unless you get a private equity um, or strategic to care. Strategic is nothing more than you selling to um, a skip hop or, you know, a large baby products company. That's a strategic. If you get them to care, they'll pay more. But if you're at that level, you're kind of selling to a more personal or, you know, uh, individual buyer. Okay. Now here's rule of thumb. And I think this is really important to talk about million in cash flow, you start to get to a place where a lot where, where more private equity actually cares. They start mm. to win about it. Gotcha. Okay. That's where the multiple. So for instance, that baby products business that I told you about. Yeah. Almost a mill, you know, great product roadmap, great scalability, everything we already discussed, 80% off Amazon, 20% on, and the on was only FBM, not FBA. So the margins were a little bit better. Yeah. You had Oh, sorry. Sorry. Chris, uh, can you explain that uh, F FBM versus FBA? So sorry. Fulfilled by Amazon, fulfilled by merchant. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fulfilled by merchant. So they weren't doing FBA. They weren't paying Amazon to ship the product for them. So it was a little bit better margin. My point is this, that was an eight multiple. Oh, okay. The wow. larger you're getting in cash flow at a million, now you're starting to wake up. You're starting to get people to kind of wake up and smell the coffee. Interesting. So, so would you recommend, cause I'm sure we've got listeners out there. I mean, you know, just so you guys know, we can see who comes to the website. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, uh, and so, you know, some of the companies that we've seen that have, you know, you know, listened to the podcast and come to the website, I know you guys are in that, uh, you know, at least eight uh, figure range uh, as far as revenue is concerned. Mm -hmm. um, that's really interesting that that's. Well, and then I'll add, I'll add another layer, 3 million in cash flow. That is a cut line for private equity. Seriously. That is the difference between private equity saying yes or no in most of that universe, whether they'll look at your deal or they won't look at your deal. So when you're at 3 million in cash flow, that's when you're starting to get into, you know, normal, here's the thing, normal consumer goods multiples are eight to 12. That's normal. And so private equity is used to paying a premium for a business that's everything I just discussed and at 3 million in cash flow you're going to have a sizable exit period. Okay. So, so would you recommend people then, you know, cause we talked about, you know, you stepping in at around 500. So would you recommend people really grinding it out to get up to that one? Yes. Million? We talk to people all the time and tell them to do that, but 
you know, usually what happens, sometimes what happens is um, this actually just recently happened. I talked to a guy who was 500. I said, you know, he's the baby product space. I yeah. said, hey man, you know, we're not going anywhere and you really should grow your business and try and get it up to that million. And he's like, you know what? I thank you so much. And that's the other thing people appreciate when we, <laughs> it's almost like they're shocked. We tell them not to go to markets. Like we're not salesmen. Yeah. We're, you know, we're a financial service. So, you know, it, but what happened was he stewed on it he thought about it and he came back. He said, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm done. I'm actually done. I'm ready to cash out. Yeah. Like, okay. No problem. So yeah, we always encourage people to try and get much bigger because honestly, the we run an investment banking process. And so the type of process that we run works really well for people who, that's why we have 500,000 as kind of the, the, the bare minimum because yes. it's really good for, we can put you in front of every single, that baby products company that we sold last year, it went in front of every single strategic in the baby products industry, mm. including including Bain Capital, as far as like a large private equity mm. uh, firm. Wow. Because um, Bain bought Bugaboo. I don't, you, you're sure you're familiar with Bugaboo. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they bought Bugaboo about a year and a half ago uh, for $225 million, by the way. Wow. And so, you know, we put this particular deal in front of them, and they were actually quite interested, but they they passed because they said, we're still trying to figure out strollers. <laughs> so anyways, my, my point is when you're when you're at a level, at that $3 million level plus, we can get a lot of people to wake up and really care about your deal. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, Chris, this is a, a, a question that I'm sure people are thinking, well, if I'm at a million to 3 million in cash flow, why do I want to sell? Uh, one, because typically a lot of that num a lot of that cash isn't going in your pocket. It's going towards inventory and, and it's going towards reinvestment in the business, right? A lot of it yeah. actually tends to go towards inventory. So you're only really taking, I mean, look, if you're happy with what you're making and you're happy in the business and you don't want to sell, don't sell, but set up your business to sell because that's the best type of business to run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chris, you nailed it. Told you, man. I feel like I, I feel like I gave you a softball there and you nailed it. <laughs> you did. You did. It's funny though. You know, and you and I talked before the podcast, we preach this message all, I mean, we, we literally stand on a soapbox and preach this message nonstop. It's yeah, consistent. Please, please build a please build a business to sell because you never honestly you actually never know what's going to happen because yeah. you know there's other factors other than just waking up saying eh, I think I'm going to sell. There are some morbid factors that are involved: divorce, death. There's also uh, you know you you may have a partnership that's that's dissolving. We have a we have a business we're taking to market right now where the partnership is is dissolving. The wow. two partners who own the company they they don't get along anymore. So. You never know what's going to happen. So never say never. Build your business to sell. Yeah. Chris, such a great conversation. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple more of our, our uh, static questions that I, I just, I have to ask. It's part of the rules of secrets to scaling. So Let's do it. Uh, what is your secret to scaling? My, my secret to scaling. Oh my gosh, man. Um, well, we do deploy a lot of good, I'd say, business development and digital marketing um, activities and tactics. But if you really, really, really want to scale, get a lot of people to talk about you. And the way you do that is just be a very humble, not arrogant, helpful person, mm. at least in my world, because I'm dealing with face-to-face -face clients all the time. So don't be arrogant and just be just be a helpful, nice person. And I promise it'll help you scale. Totally. You know, like in, in sales, this, this is for any, anyone out there who has to also do sales, just don't be a jerk. It's just, so easy. Like it's it's, just, it's, it's such an so easy, easy thing to do. Like yeah. just be nice. 
Nobody's going to buy from you if you're a jerk. (laughs) Be be helpful, be, be informative. And yes, you know, scaling, scaling will come right behind that. So. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Uh, Okay. Let's, let's go into our lightning round here. Uh, What's your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Oh, HubSpot. HubSpot. Yes. We have switched over all of our sales over to HubSpot at the agency. Love it. Amazing. Love it. Love it. Love it. This is, this is, I have, I have, I don't even get referral cash from HubSpot and I'm just telling your whole audience. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This uh, episode was brought to you by HubSpot. (laughs) You know what? HubSpot doesn't, they don't, they don't need to advertise on here because like you Google anything to do with digital marketing and HubSpot's going to come up for it or like lead generation or their SEO game is strong, man. Yeah. Yeah. Great content. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast? Uh, pardon my take. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it's through Barstool sports. It's with a guy named big cat and PFT commenter. And they are basically sarcastic sports commentators and, it's it's just my it's my way to reprieve man it's my way to check out and just laugh that's awesome that's great i uh yes yesterday i believe uh i was talking to george papadeus from the hoth okay uh i don't know if you know know the hoth anyway they're uh they're a big seo company and uh and he also uh recommended another barstool uh sports (laughs) podcast so barstool is they're they're taking over the they're taking over the universe man they're awesome yeah it's great uh, and is there a particular founder that you look up to? Oh my gosh. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, yeah. You know who I just have a total affinity towards and you and I just did discuss this before the podcast, Walt Disney. Ah, Walt. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's, he's interesting to me and I'll tell you why, because he's been painted as, you know, he's a dreamer. He was a, he was actually, he wasn't, the best he wasn't the best financial like fine he wasn't very financially astute right he just dreamt he had a lot of dreams but i also heard he was a fairly cutthroat businessman mm-hmm. and actually, I, oh, I've, I've heard those stories about him yeah it, it made me have a little bit more i don't know i don't know why but it made me have a little bit more respect for the guy just to be able to dream and lead such a large team but then also you know have to be you know not rigid but you know kind of a harder business guy when he needed to be so yeah, I wish he was. Uh, well, I guess he probably wouldn't wouldn't be around today, uh, even though he died early from lung cancer. But I wish he would have had more years to uh, to keep dreaming and creating because he was just mm. and he was he was a failure. That's what I love about him. He was a, he was a failure like twice, I think. Someone stole his company from him uh, once. Um, he had another failed business. I mean, those stories always just inspire me. I I love stories of failure. <laughs> It's great. It's how I, you don't learn, man. Yeah, it's how you I, learn. It's something. It's something I I don't talk about a ton on this podcast, but I'm I'm sure I've mentioned before is uh, my my first business was a complete failure. I owned a, a Mexican chain restaurant. Nice. And uh, I think we lost something like I it was it was in the hundreds of thousands. Wow. And uh, over five years, and uh, and you know what? You either stop doing anything. Yeah. business related or you just learn from that and that was just business school for me and um i feel like i'm only better for it and so i don't people who haven't failed i i just don't believe them all the time you know i don't i don't either i i you've got to have some you know I, I one of my one of my favorite authors once said that uh you know he was talking about pain um in particular and said that you know without pain we wouldn't know um that our hand was burning on a stove 
Mm. And I think it's, I think it's the same type of principle when it comes to, when it comes to having to learn those really hard lessons in business and taking some really hard uh, blows to, uh, to the face and to the gut. And it really, it teaches you, you know, getting, getting fired, <laughs> it teaches you, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it puts the fire in your gut too, man. You yeah. know, it's, it's failing puts, can put fire in your gut. So yeah. And you can, I think you learn and you'll, you'll agree with me for sure. You learn so much more from failing. I think oh, sometimes. totally. Unless you blame someone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a whole other set of problems at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, what a great conversation. I, yeah, uh, so I much, enjoyed this so much. Where can people find out more about you? So, if, you know, if somebody's, you know, looking at that next in the, yeah. you know, next 18 to 24 months, yeah. you know, th- th- I mean, this sounds like a relationship that you and I are going to keep up. Um, yeah, no, I think we should for sure. And, uh, you know, I would tell, I would tell your folks one, you know, go to our website. There's a couple things you can do there. Um, one, we do have blog posts. We don't just do them for SEO content. They're actually yeah. very educational. Awesome. Um, you know, we talk through due diligence. We talk through the process. We've got white papers that, that folks can download. We talk about, you know, for instance, the five myths of selling your business. Yeah. So they're very educational. Then we also have a uh, valuation tool. So you can go there, put in all types of points of data. Cool. It's going to spit out a valuation range based on comp data. Um, however, we always say, and so this is my large caveat to your audience. We always tell people that is meant for a marker in the sand. Yeah. Devil is in the details. You're probably, if most of your folks are off Amazon, more than likely, whatever valuation it spits out, it's going to be higher than that. Mm, and then gotcha. we also have a consultation form and we're happy to talk to everybody and all of it's complimentary. We're not going to charge you a dime for it. <laughs> I think that's important to, to say out loud. Yeah. We'll get you a valuation. We will walk you through your business, all of your details, and that's all free of charge. Well, you just gave me 45 minutes of free consulting. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, the way you find us, just very easy, globalwiredadvisors.com, or for most of your audience, go to Google, type in our global wired advisors, or 10% who's using Bing, or no, Yahoo, maybe 5% using Bing or Yahoo, and type us in. We come up first, and you can find us that way as well. Awesome. Do you deal with Canadian companies? Yep. Absolutely. We're global. I mean, you know, it makes it. Oh, well, yeah. Global. Of course. <laughs> yeah, global minus Canada. <laughs> That's right. Um, there's some nuance there, especially with guys who are going to be attracting more personal uh, or individual buyers because in the United States, a lot of deals get done under $5 million uh, utilizing the uh, small business administration loan. You have to be an American company and you have to be in business for at least two years. So that's where it gets a little dicey when dealing with Canadian. But if you're in that one to 3 million cash flow, that all goes out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, that's great. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Totally, totally appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Secrets to Scaling Online. If you're loving what you're hearing, subscribe to our podcast and share this with a friend. No, seriously, share it with a friend. No, if you don't, I'm going to find you and I'm going to make you profitable. Got it? No, seriously. 